So we're going to pick it up in Genesis chapter 37 to give you a little context. Um, the Christian in, the, in Judaism, we have three patriarchs uh, in the generations. The Bible calls Abraham the father of our faith. And Abraham had a son named Isaac. And Isaac had a son named Jacob. And the, the name Jacob means trickster. It means swindler. And God would change his name from Jacob to Israel after Jacob. Thank you, Rhoda. Oh, my God, Rhoda. You about to pull something out of me, girl. You about you the only one I'm preaching to today. You and the online family. Come on now. And um, don't do that because I'm trying to teach. All right. So um, and so, um, yeah. So God changed his name to Israel because he said you have wrestled with man and God and you have overcome. That's a whole that's a that's a whole message. And so. Um, he gave him the name Israel. Jacob had 12 children, 12 sons, and that's where we get the 12 tribes of Israel. That's where the nation of Israel originates. And so we're going to pick it up, though, with Joseph's story. And uh, just, just a powerful story as we, we enter into week two of Valley Strategy. What to do when you're down. Genesis 37 verse 1 says this. So Jacob settled again in the land of Canaan where his father had lived as a foreigner. This was the promised land. It says, this is the account of Jacob and his family. When Joseph was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flocks. He worked for his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wives, Bilhah and Zilpah. But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing. Jacob loved Joseph more than his, in, more than his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day, Jacob had a Special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a, a kind word to him. One night, Joseph had a dream. Where did this dream come from? Came from the Lord. So he's already got the, the deck kind of stacked against him. He's the favorite. And here comes God giving him this dream. And, but he's 17. Someone say 17. And when he told his brother about it, they hated him more than ever. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field, tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly, my bundle stood up, and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. His brothers responded, so you think you will be our king, do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. That's another message. The way you talk is, is vital. The way you communicate. I hung on that for about 15 minutes earlier this week. The way you talk. Some message about the tongue. Soon Joseph and another dream. Soon Joseph had another dream. And again, he told his brothers about it. Listen, I have had another dream, he said. The sun, moon, and 11 stars bowed low before me. This time he told the dream, this time he told the dream to his father as well as his brothers, and his father scolded him. What kind of dream is that? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow to the ground before you? But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what the dreams meant. So oftentimes our parents ponder and wonder, but our siblings get jealous. It's a different kind of love, you know. At any rate, God gave Joseph these big dreams. God gave Joseph these, these big hopes. And I believe God has visited you as well. I believe that 
you also know that there's a future for your life. Jeremiah 29, 11, God says, I have plans for your life, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Right, right. And we've all received vision from God. Now, I want to kind of just zone out and give you like the cliff notes. I'll give you the overview. Once again, you're going to go home and do the reading, but just just the, these key points of Joseph's life. So his brothers were jealous, so they, they kidnapped him, essentially. They beat him up. And the Bible says they threw him in a cistern or a pit. So one of the brothers spoke up and said, well, let's not kill him. Let's sell him as if that's any better. I mean, <laughs> let's sell him. And so they sold him to Medianite traders. These Medianite traders sold him to Potiphar. Potiphar was an Egyptian official and he was the captain of Pharaoh's guard. So a man of high influence, a wealthy man, a powerful man. And so Joseph is now a servant in Potiphar's house. And as he's serving Potiphar's wife, catches the the feels you know for Joseph and, and she wants to sleep with him so one day Joseph runs from her but she catches his coat right, right. and she had evidence or she accused Joseph of raping her so Potiphar got home and Potiphar was upset and they threw him in prison and so Joseph spent a few years in prison and he interpreted a number of people's dreams one guy was able to get out of prison and work again for Pharaoh. And the Bible says that this guy forgot about Joseph for years. Right, right. So Joseph is in prison for years. And one day God causes Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the world at this time, to have a dream. And the man thinks like, oh my God, I know someone who can help Pharaoh. And it's Joseph. So Joseph comes and he interprets the dream for Pharaoh. He gives Pharaoh a strategy. And then he goes from prisoner to the most powerful man in the world, the prime minister of Egypt. But this was a 13, someone say 13, 13. a 13-year 13 process. Now, what Genesis 37 won't tell you is what Psalm 105 will tell you, right? Because Joseph had multiple valleys, multiple challenges. Joseph was, Joseph was being stretched. But I love Psalm 105. A couple thousand or, or hundred years after this happened with Joseph, the psalmist had time to study and to debate and to kind of figure out where was God in all of this, right? Like Joseph is going through all this tough stuff, but where's the Lord in Joseph's process? And it says this here, Psalm 105, verse 16, he being God called a famine in the land of Canaan. So that's where Joseph's family was. And it said that God cut off the supply of food. Okay. Then he sent someone, someone referring to, to Joseph, to Egypt ahead of them. So I was telling the 830, if, if you're feeling like you're in a valley or in a tough season, this verse explains that there's purpose behind it. Right. So Joseph was going through a valley, but God was in the process of sending a savior. He, he was positioning Joseph for the salvation of two nations, the Egyptians and the Israelites. So you think you're going through something. But God has you in process. Yes, yes, yes. And it says this right here. Joseph, who was a slave, they bruised his feet with fetters and placed his neck in an iron collar. Verse 19 with emphasis. You need to lean into this. Until the time came to fulfill his dreams. The Lord. Tested Joseph's character. It won't tell you that during your homework this week. 
All you're going to see is, man, why is Joseph going through everything? But the revelation of what he's going through is that God is not not the boss, not Potiphar, not his brothers, not his dad, not the Medianite traders, not even Potiphar's wife, not the prisoners. The Lord tested his character in the word character in the Hebrew, because the Old Testament was converted into Hebrew, means his nature. God was trying to see, does he qualify for the calling? Does he qualify for that dream, for that vision that I've given him? It's such a great dream. It's such a great future. I have to test him because if I give him the blessing without the stretching, he'll snap. So so I got to I got to stretch you. So today is entitled I'm being stretched. I'm being stretched. And the Lord uses tough times to stretch us. So how does God stretch me? He uses tough times. The devil uses them to tempt you, tempt you to quit, tempt you to disobey God, tempt you to give up, tempt you to tap out. The Bible says that if your if your strength is weak in the day of adversity, you're no good. If you're weak in the day of adversity, God, God can't can't much move in that. So God will use tough times to stretch us. And I want to give you a real, def- a real quick definition or, or give you like an idea of what it looks like to be stretched. Here it is. We are stretched when our circumstances make, pull. I need that statement up. We are s- stretched when our circumstances make us uncomfortable and when things are outside of our control. That's when we're stretched. So if you feel like you're in an uncomfortable season, if it's not a preferable place, If things feel like you're out of control, you're being stretched. You're you're being stretched. You're being stretched. And what determines whether or not you're going to step into everything God has for you is your response to the stretch. Stretching is a good thing. I mean, what good is a rubber band if it doesn't stretch? Right. How do you gain wisdom without being stretched? How do you get a raise without being stretched? How do you pass a grade or get a degree without being stretched? Right. How do you have a testimony without being stretched? And so I believe when you zone out of Joseph's story, 13 chapters, when you zone out, I think there are two ways that he responded to being stretched that we must cultivate in our lives every single day in order for the dream and the promise of God to come to pass. The first way that we're going to respond to a stretch for the rest of our lives is number one with humility. (laughs) I mean, think about it. 17 years old, he gets this mega dream from God. And then it's the way he talks about it. He had to be humble. He, He had to be, he had to, he had to walk in humility. The word humility, I'll give us a definition, more modern definition is is to be modest or gentle. I like this one. Cool temper. To have a cool temper. Right? Because either I, either I be humble or I'm going to be... There are two options when you're tested. Okay, here it is. You're either going to develop a hard heart or you're going to have a humble heart. 
right? I'm either going to get hard because my brothers just kidnapped me. They just beat me up. They just threw me in a pit. They sold me off. This woman lied on me. Now I'm in prison. It's been seven years. I see no evidence of God's promise in my life. I can either become hard. That's one option. Or I can become humble, right? So someone who has a hard heart is someone who blames God and blames people. The, the, the blame is constantly on their spouse or on the friend that betrayed them or as if they had no part to play. As if Joseph was not braggadocious, right? As if he didn't kind of egg them on to beat him up and to be that kind of brat, you know, right? As if he had no part to play. So they blame people and they and so they become bitter. When you get hard, you become bitter. There's negative outlook on everything. There's no positivity. No, no. Everything is glass half empty. When you become hard, you become impatient with life. You don't want to endure tough times because everyone owes you something. And it's a sign that your heart is is hardened and God doesn't do it, but he'll keep sending the test until you pass it. Or I can become humble. All right. So a humble heart is one who does not blame God or people. But a humble heart leans into God. A humble heart understands that God is in control. Right. And I'm going to I'm going to worship you in this valley. I'm going to lean into the word. I'm going to lean into worship. I'm still going to go to church. I'm still going to serve. I'm going to I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to I'm going to keep it cool. I don't prefer it, but I'm going to stay modest and I'm not going to be nasty. I'm going to be gentle and goodness and kindness and love and patience and peace and joy. All of those fruit in the spirit should be produced when we're in the valley. So I'm going to become humble and then I'm going to trust with patience. So I'm in a valley, but I know God showed me a good future and I'm going to hold on to the dream and I'm going to hold on to the vision. I won't be jaded by the valley and I'm not going to go to work and throw attitude and throw stank and come here and throw stank and go there and throw. I'm going to keep it cool because I don't want to undermine my future because nothing stops you but you. That's what Joseph's story really shows. When you go home and you, and you do the homework, Joseph's greatest enemy was not the devil. It's not his brother. It was not Potiphar's wife. He understood early on. I think he got this when he was 18. He was like, oh, snap, I talk too much. I need to humble myself. The great theologian Kendrick Lamar said, be humble, right? He said, I need, I need to chill because there's nothing I can do to get myself out of this situation. Like God, God has intentionally put me here. And so I need to stop trying to figure it out. And I just need to walk in humility. I love it. And we know because based upon Genesis 39, two through four, it says this here. The Lord was with Joseph. So he exceeded in everything he did. And as he served in the home of his Egyptian master, Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. This pleased Potiphar. So he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. From the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. All his household affairs ran smoothly and his crops and livestock flourished. So Potiphar gave uh, uh, Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. I love this. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food 
to eat. This is a sign that Joseph accepted the valley. And he humbled himself. So when I'm in a valley, I should be a better employee. I should leave that mess at church and at home. I should be a better student. Now's not the time to give up. It's time to to double down. Because if I'm in a valley, I've hit rock bottom. How much lower are you going to go? So since I'm already down, I might as well just stay down. Right? And, 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 and do my thing. And it says this here, Genesis 39, 21 says this here. I, I love it. It says, um, but the Lord was with Joseph in the prison. He showed him his faithful love and the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. So everywhere Joseph was going, though it seemed like he was going Potiphar's house, the pit, Potiphar's house, everywhere he was going, he was he was experiencing promotion because he was humble about it. So I want to encourage you, keep it cool. Just chill. Someone say just chill. Just chill. Just chill. Keep it cool. Be be gentle. Recognize that it's the Lord that's doing it. Worship him in it. I know the money's tight. Keep it cool. I know your boss is a jerk. Keep it cool. Let God fight your battles. Right? I know someone just betrayed you, a, a good friend. Keep it cool. Be Stay humble because God, God is obviously allowing it for a reason. And that reason is because you're bigger than what you know. Joseph Joseph didn't know how how big he was on the inside. But I think he had an inkling. And he understood the way I respond when I'm 18 dictates the doors that God is going to open when I'm 25. The way he had an inkling. He had an inkling. Like I said, I. Uh, I was I was on the phone with my father last week. He's 85 and 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 he's doing okay. But he he said, "Son, I I just wish when I was in my 20s and my 30s, I would have done different for the Lord and for myself." Joseph had a "I'm not going to have a regret" mindset. I'm young. I have fire. I have energy. I'm gonna I'm gonna humble myself now because the older I get, if I don't, life is going to get harder. When in essence, the older you get, life should get better. You should be stronger and and wiser. Humble yourselves before the Lord, James 4.10, and he will lift you up in honor. What we like to do on Instagram is post, and he will lift you up in honor. We we omit that A clause. Here it is, Proverbs 22. True humility and fear. Someone say fear. fear. Ooh, we don't fear God no more. I just read an article where people were standing outside of a church protesting scripture. Let's do the math. God created the world. He created you. He gave you breath. God can tell you what to do. You can't protest the word of God. 
That's how you get in trouble real quick. Protesting the word of God. Why? Because there's no fear anymore. So a part of the trap that a lot of people fall into when they come to highlight is it's the cool young church. So we can come in here and do anything we want and live any kind of way. If you've been here long enough, you know that we preach the word. We stand on truth. You know why, though? It's because I want you to be rich. I want you to live in honor and I want you to have a long life. But when you buck God's word, you're going to have poverty. You're going to have dishonor and you're going to cut your life short. So we stand on the word of God. Where is the church? Y'all are too quiet. We stand on this word. I've been standing on this word since I was 19. See, back then I looked crazy, Chris. Back then I looked crazy. 19, going to church, on fire for God, doing all that God stuff. Now I'm the one getting the text messages and the phone calls. Can you help me? Can you pray for me? Can you this? What I'm saying is, young people, look, it may not seem sexy today. But when the dust all settles and we cultivate and grow all that regret and all of those mistakes, but you stay faithful to God through high school and through middle school and through your 20s, you're going to come out on top and they're going to be looking for you. So you serve God now. Joseph was 17 by 30, the most powerful man in the world. Don't waste time. Don't waste time. Don't waste time. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. Number two, the second way we're going to respond is with excellence. When we're in the valley, we respond with excellence. I'll give you a definition here. Here it is. Excellence is doing my best where I am and with what I have. Because valleys are associated with loss, right? The loss of a relationship, the loss of opportunities, the the loss of resource, valleys. Like it's a tough season. But every time we're we're tempted or or tested by God, we have two options. Just like the first point, either hard heart or humble heart, we got two options when it comes to excellence in the valley. We can either, number one, give up. When, When it's tough, we can give up. Or we can glorify God. We can say, man, it's tough. So, you know, we can become passive and careless. And if you're not careful, you look around and everything is wasting. Right. The, the, the phone and I mean, the, 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 uh, the, the house and the car and everything is wasting away because it's tough. And what we're doing is we're adopting a victim mentality. And it's like, oh, woe is me. Right. And we're not we're not picking up our lives. We're not organizing. We're not cleaning up or we can glorify God. Right. So so when Joseph got in a pit, we, we can almost tell that when he was in that pit, I like to believe that he was organizing in the pit. I like to believe that when he got to Potiphar's house, he was he was scrubbing those toilets and scrubbing that floor and folding those clothes and fixing the food and cleaning the kitchen. And I, I think he he said, I can either give up or when I'm in a valley, I can I can look at what I have. Even if it's a little, I can look at what's in my possession. I can look at where I am and I can say, well, God, I'm going to glorify you with what I have. 
and, and where I am, I'm going to glow. Okay, so I, you gave me a big dream. I'm starting to catch the fact that the valley is connected to the mountain, yeah. right? You pulled me out of the pit. I'm in this man's house. Okay, so now I have an opportunity yes. to get it right here. And that's excellence. It's taking what you have and where you are and it's glorifying God. That's right. That's right. So, so my, my students, well, if I get a C, I'll just pass. If I get a D, I'll pass the class. You're smarter than that. God's giving you a school, a classroom, a pencil and a paper and an iPad, a computer, some time. You just want to pass with a D? Come on now. Come on now. We're going to do the, we're going to do the best That's right. with what we have. That's right. We're not going to come under the spirit of the age, just this quiet quitting spirit. We're going to work hard. Right. We're going to focus. On, we're going to be on our A game. We're going to do the best with what we have. We have a life to build, a family to build, a nation to build. We have the kingdom to build. We don't have time to be passive. We don't have time to be lazy. We, we need to work hard. Got to glorify God with everything because the key to more is doing the best with less. That's kingdom math. Someone say kingdom math. Matthew 25 says this, that the, the, the owner gave two talents and, and three talents and five talents, one talent, two talent, five talents. He went away for some time. He came back. He assessed what they did with what they had. And for the people who multiplied, he gave more. But, but I, even if God has not like clearly spoken to you, don't you got hopes and dreams? Don't you want to be in a better place? Don't you want to go higher? Well, in the kingdom, that's how it works. God, the Lord, tested him. So God will give you this eight to five. God will give you this class. God will give you this apartment. God will give you this room, this basement, because he's testing your character to see if you deserve more responsibility. Or you can become a complainer and say, well, the rich should give me what they've earned and what they've worked hard for, and it should be spread across everybody. And that only leads to slavery and the demise of a nation. So I'm, I'm going to do my best. It says this here in Genesis 39, 5 through 6. Honestly, I don't want what the rich have. God gave me my, my dream. Like, and there's, there's a fun, there's an honor. There, there's something right about working for what God has for you. There's a reward in working for what God has for you. Don't give me your crap. I want my good stuff. I'm not jealous of you. Thirty-nine, five through six says this from the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property. The Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. All his household affairs ran smoothly and his crops and livestock flourish. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative 
responsibility. Sorry, I'm, I'm reading this again. It's okay. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. Jump with me over to verse 23. The warden had no worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. The warden had no worries because Joseph had a good attitude about his valley. This is what God told me when I read that verse. He said, you don't have to be excited about it to be excellent towards it. And, and, and that's currently the trap we're falling into in this generation. It's not my passion. I'm not excited. I don't want to work. I, I, I'm a painter. I'm a creative. I, I edit videos and I, I color in the lines and I shade well. And I'm a free spirit. If you don't hush, you're about to be broke and you're not... You need a job. I will not preach anymore unless y'all get real about this. You don't got to be excited about it to be excellent towards it. You think Joseph was excited to be in a pit? You think he was excited to be scrubbing toilets and, and in a prison for something he did not do? But every time he went into a valley, he auto-corrected or he responded with humility and excellence. And it's important, guys, that you here. This is so vital. Thank you, Jesus, for reminding me to say this. You must connect the dots between today's valleys and tomorrow's mountaintop. Let me let me help you. They are one and the same. You don't get to the mountain. As a matter of fact, mountains don't even exist without valleys. They don't exist. I was was on the phone with a brother the other day. Jason, come close me out. And um, y'all like, he just getting started. No, come back next week. Um, and, and he was just saying, Pastor, how, how, did, how, did, how, did you, how did you respond to those seasons where there was not enough? Um, and I just told him, man, this is all I know. There are too many stories in here, too many examples. You you don't have to figure life out. Like Joseph went through it for me. And he taught me how to respond. Abraham taught me how to wait 25 years. Jesus taught me how to suffer. There is no mountaintop without valleys. And I think Joseph had a revelation about what to do in the valley. He understood that if I don't steward this valley well, I won't have the wisdom or the strength or the fortitude to climb the mountain. And let me also encourage you with this. The valley is is way more beautiful than the mountaintop. 
in terms of experiencing the presence of God. Because I believe that when he was scrubbing those toilets and fixing up the house and doing that paperwork, I think he was praying. He was having intimate moments with the Lord because he wasn't as distracted. When he became prime minister, the brother got married. He had kids. He had big budget, millions of people to oversee. You think he had time with God? You think he had that intimate moments? With, no, he, he he probably had some moments, but he was distracted. It's in the valley where you cultivate in intimacy with the Lord. Come on now, you cultivate you cultivate prayer and in in that Bible reading and those, those tears. You you cultivate that intimate with intimacy because because those tough times will push you towards God. But when he started blessing you, you got to fight for that stuff. And I, I've always said, like, once, once you get to the mountaintop, you forget you even was in the valley. You're not dying. God is strengthening you. And there are sometimes I wish God would take a lot of it away so I could feel him the way I used to when I was 20 and 21. I, I told God the other day, I don't, it's hard to hear you. I miss you. Because every when you get to the mountaintop, everything pulls at you. Everyone and everything. Because you're the source of strength now. So everyone and everything pulls from you. When you have nothing and when you're hidden, embrace that. Don't rush out of that. You don't have to be excited about it to, to say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to show up to work. I'm going I'm to keep it cool. But at my desk, I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to sing to you. I'm, I'm going to read my Bible. And during downtime, I'm going to worship you in the lunchroom. I'm going to go out to my car and spend a little time with you during my lunch break. I don't have to be excited about my job, but God is with me everywhere I go. The Bible just said it. He was with him in the pit. He was with him at Potiphar's house. He was with him in the prison. He was with him in the palace. God is still with you, even though you don't prefer to be where, where you are. And so this is what I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to grow an excellent spirit during the stretch. Grow an excellent spirit when, you, when you're in a valley, when things are out of control. Right? The Bible says Caleb had a different attitude. So God said, you and your, your descendants are going to inherit the land. He said he was different from the others. That's what God said. He said Daniel had an excellent spirit. Daniel chapter 6, Daniel had an excellent spirit. How do we cultivate an excellent spirit? Real quick, three, three ways to grow an excellent spirit. Number one is repentance. Live with a, with a repentant heart. That word means to turn towards God. Every morning you're tempted to turn away from God. Every morning you need to repent and turn towards him. Your preferences, your desires. Say, God, I'm waking up. I don't feel it today, but I'm going to turn my heart and my mind towards the things of God, towards the word of God. So I believe Joseph was repenting. Lord, I got myself in this situation. I talk too much. I'm prideful. I repent. Because I don't want to undermine my future. I repent, Lord. Cleanse me. Free me. Humble me, Jesus. Right? Number two, obedience. 
That's how you cultivate an excellent spirit, obedience. This is doing what God tells you to do. No arguments. And when you mess up, repent. But if God tells you, obey it. Joseph, you're, you're going to prison. Oh, I ain't going nowhere. I don't want to go. God's like, I know you're innocent. You're going to prison. And in the prison, I want you to be different from the other prisoners because they have a prisoner mentality. They have a slave mentality. You are a future prime minister. You're going to obey me in the prison. So obedience helps you to remain sharp even when your life is out of control. You're centered on obeying God. And then faithfulness. This is how you grow an excellent spirit. Faithfulness. If God called you to it, work your land. Work it. What, what, what you quitting your job for? Who, who told you to do that? Mama, daddy, auntie? Because the God you prayed to opened the door. That means he gave it to you. So you consult him before you leave. I'm going to be faithful right here because I'm cultivating endurance, perseverance. I'm not going to run. I saw my mom run, my dad run, my aunt run. I saw my whole family run. God wants to do a new thing in my family until God says, leave this situation. I'm going to be faithful in the pit, Potiphar's house, in the prison. Now I'm prime minister. Work your land. Someone say work your land. The Bible says work your land and you will have abundant food. Don't miss me now. You will have abundant joy, abundant peace, abundant wisdom. Stay right there. Do not move unless God tells you to move. It says this here. Then I'll let us go. It says, then Pharaoh sent for him and set him free. The ruler of the nation opened his prison door. Joseph was put in charge of all the king's household. He became ruler over all the king's possessions. He could instruct the king's aides and as it as he pleased and teach the king's advisors. The Bible says that Joseph became a father to Pharaoh at the age of 30. Here's the major takeaway. Our dreams come true when we respond to the stretch with humility and excellence. For every stretch for the rest of your life, God is calling you. Humble yourself. Be excellent. In every dream, every promise that he's spoken over your life, the Bible says you're going to go from glory to glory, from faith to faith. Do you receive that today? Let's put our hands together.